Well, this morning we're going to be in Romans. No surprise there. Um, but we're going uh, to start where we left off in Romans chapter 3, verse 27. So as you turn there, this morning um, I want to make very clear sort of... Uh, but I believe the scripture is, is really hitting home. And there's two things that I believe the scripture, this scripture is really hitting home. And that is faith in Jesus excludes all boasting in self. It excludes all boasting in self. And the second thing is faith in Jesus leads us to uphold the law. So the two things here really should speak to our heart, those two truths. And Paul is addressing something here that is a heart issue. One, pride, boasting, self-righteousness. When we come in here... We never think we're self-righteous people because we're here. That's part of what self-righteousness does. It, it, it blinds us. It confuses us. It enslaves us. It crushes us. And this is going to be Paul's point. Is that because of faith, by grace, self-righteousness... And boasting in self is gone. It's no longer. So I don't want you to think to yourself, oh, he's talking about self-righteousness. I can do my little thing, days off in a space. I don't struggle with self-righteousness. Um, really go before the Lord and ask. Really seek. Ask him to to reveal maybe some self-righteousness in your life. Because if you look within the culture that we live in, there's a tendency there. Not even just culture. There's a tendency in our sin to be self-righteous. The second thing is... Through faith in Jesus, it leads us to uphold the law. So the argument here, too, is that what's the point of the law if you have grace? What's the point of living in obedience to Christ if you have faith by this grace in Jesus? So the struggle here is abusing grace. And again, I don't want you to just kind of start dazing off and thinking, that's not my struggle. I don't abuse grace. I don't think I don't have to live by these commandments, by the law, by the things God has given me, by the Spirit, by His Word. But we have these tendencies in our heart. We do. We have them. If, if, if you examine yourself on a daily basis, I'm not talking about what you believe, 
Because when you come in here, you believe that self-righteousness is wrong, that it's damaging. When you come in here, you probably think, no, I can't abuse grace. There's no way I can do that. His grace leads me to live a righteous life. You believe these things. I believe these things. But when it comes to our tendencies, when it comes to our, our affections, when it comes to the things that we live for, we find ourselves thinking these things or doing these things according to either self-righteousness or abusing grace. And they are connected, whether you believe it or not. They are closely connected. Most likely you may flip-flop back and forth because self-righteousness, again, it enslaves, it brings on guilt. And then the other way says, I'm free, I want to be free. But there's the truth in between. There's a truth in between. You are free. You are free. And so let's read this scripture this morning. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 27. He's continuing from his thought from verses 21 through 26. He says, Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No. Because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who would justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify, abolish the law by this faith? Not at all. Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Let's pray. Father, we are so humbled that you are a God who speaks to us. That we have your word in front of us. You are a talking, speaking God. And by your spirit we ask, your Holy Spirit, we ask for you to teach us. That these words will be alive. And that it would pierce our hearts And that it would change us into the beautiful, glorious image of Jesus Christ. And that he would be exalted. And his name would be above all names. In Jesus' name, amen. So this thought that Paul has here is connected to last Sunday's message about having righteousness or justification by the cross of Christ through faith, okay? But this section is probably even more closely connected to chapter 4. It's even more closely connected to chapter 4 by using Abraham as an example of this very truth that he is saying. And so how is it connected to verses 21 through 26 in chapter 3, the message that we heard last week? See, Paul, he clearly presents 
how we are freely, freely justified by grace and saying that we are given righteousness, we're given this righteousness through faith in Christ by his atoning sacrifice on the cross. So, now this language of faith is it's dominant. It's there. You, you see terms like given, terms like believing, terms like receiving, terms like faith. It's all throughout 21 through 26. And in verse 22, righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Christ's sacrifice of atonement is to be received by faith. That's in verse 25. So when we have faith in Christ, this is really key. When we have faith in Christ, we are receiving him. We are receiving Christ. That has to be glorious in your mind and in your heart. That has to lead you to worship. If you understand what I'm saying about receiving Christ, if you have received Christ, it leads you to humility and not boasting. Faith equals receiving. Faith is receiving. And so Paul continues in this thought of faith here. But in regards to the flesh of man and our struggle with the simple truth because of pride and boasting and self-righteousness, but faith is still his answer to this problem. Faith. So here's how it's connected to Romans 4, okay? When he talks about Abraham. Verses 20, verse 27, he says, boasting is excluded. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, Abraham had no right to boast. Verse 28, because one is justified by faith, not works of the law. Chapter 4, verses 3 through 8, Abraham was justified by faith, not works. Verses 29 through 30, circumcised and uncircumcised are united under the one God through faith. Chapter 4, 9 through 17, circumcised and uncircumcised are united as children of Abraham through faith. Do you see the connections he's going to make later? He's going to dive deeper into these things, and Jason will do that. So it's clear Paul here in our passage this morning is just making quick points, basically, about faith before really making it even clearer through the life of Abraham in chapter 4. So why do I go through all that? Why do I even take time to do that? Because it's in the context. It helps us see even clearer what Paul is saying here. We're not just taking a bit of piece of Scripture out and just thinking what we want to think about it. It's taking the Scripture as is within its context. And so when we think about boasting and we think about the point he's making, we look into Abraham's life and we say, if in fact, in verse 2, if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. That clears some things up when we think about boasting, right? In his point. If we have anything to boast in, 
It's not before God. If it is by works, we are the one to boast and not in God. But that's why it's not in, in, in our works. Because our boast isn't in ourselves; It's in Christ. And so I do that because I want to bring clarity to the passage here. And I want you to understand that this is within the context. It's kind of sandwiched in between these two thoughts here. And he has this one huge thought, faith in Jesus. And some of the issues we have with our heart that comes along with when we think about faith in Jesus. So again, the two points here, faith in Jesus will exclude boasting, 27 through 30, verses 27 through 30. Faith in Jesus leads us to uphold the law, verse 31. So let's dive in to faith in Jesus will exclude boasting. So Paul really made it clear, right, that we are made right with God by faith in Christ. And right after he asks, is there any room for boasting? That's where he goes. He talks about the glorious truth that through the atoning work of Jesus Christ, by faith, we can be made right. We can be justified. We can be redeemed by Christ. And right after, right after all that, he asks, is there any room for boasting? The reason he goes there is because faith is the very argument against our boasting in ourselves. It's the very argument. See, before I talked about faith equals receiving. Faith equals receiving. And I want to stay on that truth for just a little while. Because I think it helps us see clearly this first point. In Jesus' teachings about himself, he calls himself the bread of life. He calls himself living water. You remember that? When he goes to the well, he meets a woman and he says, I am the living water. Drink of me and you will thirst no more. To receive Jesus is to receive him as the bread of life. You have received him as the living water. You, if you have faith, you receive him for who he is. Does that make sense? If you have faith, you receive him as the bread of life and you hunger no more. If you receive him, if you have faith and receive him as a living water, you thirst no more. Every thirst and hunger will be satisfied in him. Why is this important? You, you see, we hunger, we hunger, and we thirst in our sin and flesh. And we keep going to the wrong wells. And we keep going to the wrong place to be fed. But Jesus says, I have come so that you can find your hope and greatest need met in receiving him. That's why it's important. The essence of our sin is choosing anything rather than Christ. We would rather trade creator, God, 
for the things he's created. We see that in Romans. We fall short of the glory of God. That's what that means to fall short of the glory. You would rather, I would rather trade God for something. It doesn't make sense. But when we receive Jesus, see, he solves it. He redeems it. He brings it to completion. But when, Jesus, when we receive Jesus, he truly satisfies that very craving for something other with himself. And then we understand our greatest need is Jesus. And without him, we would be hopeless. Hopeless. When you come to a place of great need and hopelessness, and you understand that in Christ and receiving him, you have found everything. Christ is all in all. There's no room for boasting. So when we understand faith in that way, we are brought to a place of humility. And our only boast is Christ. That's our only boast, is Christ. There's nothing to boast about in ourselves when it comes to righteousness. He's the only righteous one, Jesus. We just simply received righteousness by grace through faith. And that is not of ourselves. So to receive Jesus is a gracious gift. It's a gracious gift. It's by grace through faith we are saved. We aren't meeting God in the middle. Sometimes we have that thought that we meet God in the middle. We are totally bankrupt. Totally bankrupt. Not a penny to our name. And in our hopelessness, Jesus rescues us from our greatest need. And he feeds us. And he gives us drink in himself. The passage we read this morning, Isaiah 55 Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without anything. You have your hands empty. Don't spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy. You labor, you toil, and you get all this stuff and you you build it all up and then you spend it on things that don't satisfy. Sounds familiar, right? Eat what is good, he says. Eat what is good, and you will. You see that promise? You will delight in the richest affair. That's a promise. Eat what is good, and you will. You will delight in the richest affair. So you see what he says? Come with nothing. Eat and drink. Delight in the richest affair. Food and drink that will satisfy. But do you see the state That he says you come in? Bring nothing. Bring nothing and receive everything. Bring nothing and receive everything. This is grace. We have nothing to offer God but our sin and our unrighteousness and our guilt. 
and our shame. He removes it. He forgives it. And not only does he remove it and forgive it, but then he gives us righteousness. His righteousness in Jesus Christ. We have a new identity, removing sin and giving righteousness. Church, do we understand the implications of that? Do you understand how that changes us? There is no greater gift than receiving forgiveness for our sins. And then not only that, but he gives us his own righteousness and puts it on us. Paul understood this as a Jew trying to live a self-righteous life, which is probably more of kind of what he's talking about here, self-righteous life with the Jews. And in Philippians 3, 3 through 9, one that we probably all have read and, and know very well, Paul goes on and, and he says, there's some things I could boast about. I'm a Jew. I zealous, zealous to the point of killing Christians for the name of God. He did all these things. He's a Hebrew. He had all these, with the law, he would call himself blameless. All these things in himself. But his end, he says, all of it is garbage. It's to be thrown out. It's all garbage. So that what? So that he may receive Christ. So that he may receive Christ. He throws out all his accolades, all his things that he worked up to for I don't know how long. But he was a man who would be considered a man of God. And he says, all that stuff that I did, all that stuff that I thought I had, it smells bad. It's just garbage. It's to be thrown out to the side. Because there's something more valuable. There's something greater when you throw that stuff out. It's Christ. So that I may receive Christ. To know him and be found in him. Not because anything Paul could bring, but because righteousness through Jesus by faith. That's all in Philippians 3, 3 through 9. And that is the very point... Paul is making. Where then is boasting? There is none. Because by faith we receive a gracious gift, knowing Jesus and being found in him. You cannot bring any of your self-righteous works to the table and think that you have something to offer God when it comes to salvation. You have nothing, and he gives you everything. That is a correct way of thinking about our place before God. We have nothing before him. But in Christ, by faith, through his life, death, resurrection, we have everything. Paul continues to drive that point home. Verses 29 through 30 talks about the circumcised and the uncircumcised. He says, God is a God of Jews and Gentiles. 
some of the Jews probably were like, wait, you're a God of the Gentiles too? They don't even have the law. They don't even try to seek to obey the law. How can a person who does not have the law, doesn't even try to obey it, become your people? And Paul's answer is, by the same grace and faith you need to have for salvation. So the Jew, they lived a self-righteous, moral lifestyle. That, that's kind of the American way, to have this self-righteous, moral lifestyle. I do this, I do that, or I don't do this, I don't do that, and now I have to make up for what I didn't do with these things. Or God's not happy with me, or I'm, I'm probably not even a believer or a Christian. I probably have never even received Christ because of this. Because I don't have this and that in my life. Which may be true, but it may be a bit of self-righteousness in your life. So you have the moral lifestyle, self-righteous, and then you have the Gentile, pagan lifestyle. Didn't want to have anything to do with God. They made up their own gods. None of that matters. None of it does. Because in Christ, through faith, we're all saved. In Christ. Second point, faith in Jesus leads us to uphold the law. Like I said, we have this tendency to abuse grace. Because it makes us feel free. Paul here may have probably had this argument before, and that's why he addresses it. Maybe he expects the argument. And so he just goes right ahead and addresses it. He asks, is the law nullified or abolished by this very faith that we're talking about? And his response is a definite no. Not at all. Rather, it's a rather, we uphold the law. So what does this answer mean? There's there's a lot of different ways we can think about it, but I think this answer means our faith in Jesus actually leads us to uphold the law. We uphold the law and the commandments that God has given us and Christ has given us as the standard. It's still the standard of God's holiness. We don't throw that out just because we have grace. But the difference is it's now fulfilled in Christ. It's fulfilled. The law has been fulfilled in Christ, and you are in Christ. We are in Christ as believers. So that changes things, right? So first, when we look at the law, it can kind of seem, you kind of tense up. and You say, man, all these commandments and things seems pretty impossible to, to uphold those perfectly. You're right. You're right. But we who are in Christ are accounted as having fulfilled the law. Does that, just, does that just blow your mind? The fact that you actually are accounted as fulfilling the law because of Christ. So you've been set free from the consequences of disobedience to the law. So that's the question. Since that's true, does that mean we have to live by it? Since we're set free? 
He says, absolutely not. The fact that we have been set free and are no longer enslaved to our sin means that we desire to live according to the law even more. We desire to live according to who we are. We are holy because He is holy. We are righteous because He has given us His righteousness. We are no longer enslaved to the law and its consequences because we are made right in Christ. So those who have been saved apart from the law will understand and love the law more. Do you love the law? Do you love his commandments? Are you like the psalmist who says, I sit and I read and I meditate on his word because it is my delight. I enjoy it. I love it. You love the law because you've been saved apart from it. You're going to love it more than someone who seeks to be saved through it. Those who seek to be saved through it is in slavery. So we understand that God's law is still the standard. It's still the standard. Still the demand for God's people. But now we have been set free to live for Christ because it doesn't enslave us anymore. He he sets us free to live as we are. So let me just bring this home really quick. What's your tendencies? What's your struggle? Do you struggle with abusing grace? Do you struggle with saying, yeah, but Jesus died for me. I could just ask him for forgiveness and, and it's all good. And then never really have a heart of, Man, I've sinned against God. I really want to please Him. I really want to live for Him. I really want to be like Christ. I really want it for His glory, not for self, but for Him. There's a lot of different ways we do this in life. There's plenty of examples. I'm not going to go through them all. But do you take grace and make it not grace anymore? Because the moment we do that with grace, it's no longer grace. And secondly, do we struggle with self-righteousness? I know just in my own life, I have the tendency to be self-righteous. I do this, I do that, I preach on Sunday, I play music, blah, blah. It's just like you can throw, I did this for this person, I did that for that person. You just, you feel good about yourself. And Christ is not exalted at all. That's a way to really recognize if you're dealing with self-righteousness. If you claim it for yourself and you stick your chest out and you say, I did that. Jesus is never mentioned. The reason you did that, why did you do that? Because I am in Christ and he has made me new. And he has changed my life. I would never have ever done that. Unless Christ is in me, all glory goes to God. So here's my question for you this morning. I always like to leave with a question. 
in your life on a daily basis, not just this morning and how you feel and what you believe, but on a daily basis, do you struggle with self-righteousness? Do you struggle with abusing grace? Do you struggle with looking to the commandments and the law and the things that to do, and you count on those to feel like you're saved? In whatever way that looks like in your life, on a daily basis, ask the Lord to examine your heart, to reveal those things, and to change them, to help you see the truth of grace, by grace through faith, and the true gospel will do that in you. It won't let you waver back and forth like that. It will give you confidence that this is truly how I am saved. And by this salvation, I live for Christ because he has changed me. Take this time to pray, to reflect, talk with somebody that you trust with me. Um, Take time to really meditate on this word this morning and the rest of the week. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would reveal to us any self-righteousness we have in our lives, that you reveal to us any, anything that we're doing to say that we have grace and we're just abusing your grace, but that you would reveal the truth about your good news in Jesus Christ, and that would lead us to humility, and it would lead us to a place of worship, of adoration. So God, as we sit in your word and what you've said to us, our hearts are stirred to worship you. Our hearts are stirred to sit and bask in this glorious truth that we are saved and rescued because of you alone and nothing we can do. We trust this. We believe this. God, help us live in this truth. In Jesus' name.